0: Rising Star Podcast, with your host, Kelly Hughes. On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Carbonite of Carbon County. They have a provocative new video out now called Panic. It features a laundromat, a cameo by Tommy Chong, and lots of intrigue connected with the movie Millennium Bugs. We're going to talk about that and much, much more. So welcome to the show, Carbonite. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you for having me.
0: Now, are, are you a, a human life form or are you artificial intelligence? I am.
1: I am human life form. I'm all in favor of artificial intelligence as our uh, human intelligence is not proving to be very productive.
0: And maybe I should say carbon life form.
1: Yes, that would be good. It's one of the four main elements. This is
0: true. How did you come up with with your name, Carbon County?
1: Well, uh, Carbon is one of the four main elements that make up everything in the universe. I'm not going to name the other three. You guys all have Google. Um, And if you put county after anything, it sounds kind of redneck-y, and we thought that was funny
0: it kind of evokes uh, Jane County. Sure. Yeah. Jane, Wayne. Yeah, absolutely. You know, all of them. Which is probably before your time. I'm sure you're quite young. Well, you never know. But
1: (laughs) but I certainly know about Jane County.
0: See, wasn't that like from the Warhol era? Yes.
1: Yeah. Brilliant artist. Um, Provocative.
0: Now, when I see just your outfits, I don't want to compare you to Daft Punk, but do you get compared to them?
1: Well, sure, because um, because of the mask thing. But if you look carefully, you know, Daft Punk are very high tech. You know, their masks are very high tech, or at least recently in the last few years when you see them in videos with famous pop stars, we're just a bunch of dirty street rats with, um, some gas masks we found at a, a, used, uh, you know, like vintage store out in like, I think it was like Lewiston, Pennsylvania or something like that. You know, we're, we're not as high class as Daft Punk.
0: Yeah. It reminds me when you go into an army surplus store.
1: Yeah. Something like that. And, and in truth, um, you know, it's it's just for me it's just a it's amazing how the masks make you memorable so you cover up your face and then people remember you oh like they have masks like whether it's in the moment at a show or whether it's like in the video and it reminds you of daft punk or like even the residents or people you know other people have done that but weirdly that makes you memorable and there's no face
0: interesting well you're also memorable just because of your music style you definitely have would you say like a pop punk sound there
1: is a pop punk element to it there's um you know there's a lot of influences in it um the um you know the guitar work is will range from you know like black sabbath influence Muddy water's influence billy gibbons influence and then, but the songwriting, you know, for us, uh, we want people to remember the songs. We like melodies.
0: Well, melody is everything. And uh, one thing I like about Panic, it just has a real strong hook that draws you in right away, just that urgency to it. Like, how quickly did you write that song?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It actually came very quickly. Um, we had. Um, Uh the we had a a, basically the whole album was made this way. We had a lot of tracks laying around. Um we got some free studio time some years ago, and we spent 12 hours straight, just literally 10 minutes put down an idea, 10 minutes put down another idea, 10 minutes, and we came away with like I don't know, 40, 50 ideas. And So when we uh, we had actually almost finished the record and we needed one more song. And then this film, the film producers approached us and said, hey, we need a song that's got like super high energy. And this is the story of the film. So we wrote lyrics that would fit in with that. And uh, so it, it came pretty quickly, actually, but came from an idea that was years old.
0: So Millennium Bugs, this movie that your song's in. How did you like meet the director? How did all this come about?
1: Well, one of the, one of the producers of the album, uh, we worked with a couple producers, Charles Newman and JJ Appleton. Um, I, I'm not really a big fan of those guys. I I think they're kind of jerks, but they're kind of amazing producers. And and Charles is pretty well connected. He has a company called Mother West, and he gets a lot of music and film and and TV and um and uh, you know it's quite clever when it comes to that um you know it, it, he's a terrible cook um he's <laughs> not a very good like i wouldn't want to hang out with him at all but uh, but like a real good producer you know and he seemed to like our band so i was like okay we'll work with you
0: you know that's so weird When you can kind of segment you know great artist But jerk in real life,
1: (laughs) you know, he can't help it. I mean, I don't understand how he ended up that way. It's not my problem, you know, but like I'm trying to get from point A to point B. I'm trying to make great music. So, you know, and the rest of the, band, you know, we're trying to make great music. And, you know, we don't have to be best friends to do that. You know, I mean, would you really want to hang out with Phil Spector? I mean, he made some of the greatest records of all time. The guy was a maniac
0: gun-toting maniac you know that's that's kind of the side of showbiz the fans don't always see it is a lot of the muck you have to go through to bring the product out to them
1: true there is muck however i also hear a lot of whiny crybaby artists oh, they're not doing what I want them to name them. You are responsible for yourself. No one is going to do anything for you. And if you have to deal with some difficult people, welcome to the world. If you were in plumbing and and building a sewer, you would have some difficult people who were digging your ditches. That's just the way life is.
0: Don't you think artists who have a day job are a little more grounded in that?
1: I don't know because... I don't I I can't say because I think it's very individual. You know, I think people different people are 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 different, you know, obviously. But that that sounds silly. But what I what I really mean is, is that there I'm sure there are artists with a day job that are grounded in that. And then I'm sure there are artists with a day job that are annoying as hell. So like, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Exactly. No, it's a full spectrum. Well, you also work with Torque. Torque, you know, I, yeah, I, I,
1: he's, a genius. he's a genius. And I'm not, just because I'm in the same band, we don't always get along, but he's a genius.
0: So what is the chemistry between the two of you?
1: Well, we're both geniuses. Um, and I say that with uh, that with all, all due respect to myself. Um, he, no, he is... Um, so I handle the guitars and the bass and uh, and most of the vocals. But everything is a collaboration with the two of us. And he, he brings to the table a deep knowledge of, um, you know, you wouldn't think it because of the sound of the record. It's very guitar heavy, but there's a lot of synthesizers on the record. And he knows all the vintage synthesizers. He knows exactly what one to go to for the right sound. And he's also... Uh, very good in the fact that, and this is, you know, technical in the idea of making records, but like people tend to want to show everything they know in one song. So I want to use this sound and these fancy chords and this blah blah blah. Sometimes all you need to do is sit there and play a boring sound and play a C chord for the entire song, and that's the right thing to do. And he's very good at that, and that's rare with people I find who make music is to find people who are not who are willing to just do the most simple thing
0: are you into lo-fi well
1: i mean i'm familiar with it because i'm i'm familiar with its source
0: um
1: you know the source is really early electronic music from the late 50s to the early 60s uh that's sort of the first lo-fi music if you really i mean in my opinion you know if you're talking 20th 21st century right so um but if if you asked me to name a bunch of lo-fi bands i don't think i could i mean if you told me their names i might know them
0: well one thing about a duo is that lean simplicity and there's not a lot of you know red tape to get your ideas across
1: that's true it does make it easier it's all you know and 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 to say you know I've been in musical situations where, you know, you have a full band and there's different joy in that too. And, and different misery, you know, I mean, but with two people, yes, there's quicker, you're making quicker decisions. I mean, you throw in a couple producers too, who we worked with, you know, that, that can, but somehow with this combination, you know, even though, you know, on a personal level, I, I, I wouldn't say I detested them, but I found them annoying. Um, musically we actually all worked well together and and there wasn't too many chefs you know in in the kitchen it was actually everybody kept their egos in check and and added uh what needed to be added at the time
0: well you sound very pragmatic did you get that from your parents um
1: I don't know if I'm pragmatic. I'm probably just trying to be polite uh, and hold back because I get sort of, lately I've been getting a lot of crap because uh, at live shows, you know, I, I don't know. I find that audiences are are expecting everything to be done for them, you know, and, and they're very like, and and so... You know, sometimes I'll get angry at an audience and, and, and people will understand, you know, where the band's coming from and where, where, where the history of, you know, music and punk music, even though we're not really a punk band, but just the attitude of it is like, come on, you know, wake up, you know. Um, So I am actually being pragmatic now, I guess, but um, my parents, um, you know. They were wildly intelligent people, but I was pretty much on my own by the time I was 10. Uh, you know, they, they just were really, they were artists and and really didn't have time to parent.
0: Mm-hmm. So on in your stage shows, is there a lot of spectacle or do you just like to get real lean and mean with the music?
1: Well, musically, it's lean and mean because that's what works that's what serves the music best and frankly it would be too expensive to cart around you know seven musicians you know and uh number one you know they'd expect to get paid and then number two you know it's like just getting anyone you know have you looked at plane ticket prices or gas prices you know touring with a big band sucks so there's that issue Yes, musically, we keep it lean and mean, and it works. You know, we have three or four members on stage at any time. We don't play to pre-programmed tracks coming off Pro Tools. Whenever I see bands doing that, I'm like, please, stop. It is so unnecessary. Save it for, I don't know who, you know, Disney. Like, just stop doing it. Um, The shows, you know, are entertaining because you don't really know what to expect. You know, people come in, they don't, you know, it's not like we have some gigantic following or anything. I'm not going to front, like, bull, bull, is it okay if I swear? I don't know. Anyway, so, um, go for you know,
0: it. We, we, I don't want
1: to create any bullshit like we have some, like, huge live following or anything like that, you know. And frankly, I don't care, you know. I'm here to just do my work make my art and when you come to the show if i'm in a mood you're gonna hear about it that's it
0: excellent well what i like about the panic music video you know it's another layer of art onto your song you're there in the laundromat there's this kind of little preamble you know with a little bit of a a mini movie setting the stage and and you got this you know comic legend tommy chong Mm -hmm. how did all that come about
1: yeah, I'm not really sure, but, um, probably somehow through the, the, the film guys, maybe they knew him or something like that, but I didn't even know he was going to be there until like the day of, and I love Cheech and Chong. I mean, talk about subversive art. I mean, those people are hilarious. Um you know i've seen all their movies i know a lot about tommy chong before because uh my i had older brothers and sisters and they had they made comedy records you know you can find them on spotify now or apple or whatever and uh i used to listen to those records they were hilarious i mean like some of the songs they um earache my eye Uh, you know, you got if you don't know these songs, you got to go check them out. Not only are they really funny musically, they're really good, like they're heavy, like rockin' tunes and Tommy Chong was a musician long before he was a a comedian uh, back in the late 60s. He knew Hendrix and all that. Um, anyway, so when I found out he was coming. Like everyone else was like, oh wow, Tommy Chong, you know, he's so famous. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, he knew Hendrix, okay? Like this is an artist, okay? This is somebody that is worthy of respect that is coming to our laundromat, okay? That we've rented out for the night to shoot a video with a bunch of known names, okay? This guy is cool. And I I just remember like Them like, okay, send the Uber for Tommy. And then 10 minutes later, he was there. And it was awesome. You know, sometimes you meet people and you're like, okay, you know, I respect your art, but you know, you're kind of an egomaniac and you're boring. Total opposite with him. He was super cool, super cool guy, very intelligent, very curious, asked a lot of questions about the band, asked a lot of questions about the video. Was really involved in the storyline. He was great.
0: Now, how did uh, the director Alejandro Montoya Marin, who directed both the Millennium Bugs movie and the music video, uh, how was the music video linked to the movie? So
1: we did a so we did a video of uh, I can't remember, I think it was 2020, 2021, uh of our first single we released um called get up and die um and um and he had seen that video and he he liked it um i think that came again through the producer charles newman um and he liked it uh and then so when you know, we we really liked Panic. We were like, oh, wow, this actually is kind of a single for us, you know, like. Um, and uh, so when it got in the movie, we're like, we just I think he just heard that we were going to put it out as a single and and try and time it with the movie. And then uh, I was going to talk to the director who had done Get Up and Die. And when he got wind of that, he's like, no, 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 I'm going to direct it. And uh, and then the the uh, Push Start Films, uh, who's the producer of the film. Um, because you know, we have no money, so they were like, well, we can put in some budget, and uh, and so it, that's how it kind of happened. And, and, they, and they're very creative over a push start. Uh, the films they make, uh, not just Millennium Bugs, the other films they make are really cool. There's another one called The Wrong Guy, which I saw, which was great. Uh, Monday is another one um, worth checking out.
0: So when you use a venue like the laundromat, you have to film at night off hours, like how late do you go? Do you go into like, you know, the the wee hours of the morning?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, <coughs> you know, I, I look, I don't mind, right? Like like it's a miracle when anything like this gets pulled off. You know, like a video shoot that actually works and then produces something that's good, right? So, like, if you got to stay up all night, that's what you got to do, right? And so, like, we didn't. I think we, I wasn't there, but I know they started loading in about nine nine p.m. and and when we left, the sun was coming up for sure. So, um, you know, but it was done quick because Alejandro, the director, uh, he is a genius. I watched that guy work, and not only does he, uh work fast he's an excellent communicator on set like i never felt like i didn't know what i needed to do because he was telling me you know and then also was like i mean i had ideas you know and like it's not like i couldn't think of my own you know and i and i play music so i know what i'm doing but like he's a genius so it really worked out
0: for us when you've got such a strong setting like that and then, you know, a, a director like Alejandro with his point of view, how do you make sure that Carbon County still comes through in the video?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting balance, right? Cause like there's the other two characters in the video and they're kind of the stars of the video, you know? And we sort of come in to the story, right? Um, and so th- you have to trust. You know, if you respect somebody as an artist, you know. um, You have to trust people, you know, like if you respect their earlier work and you know. Otherwise, what's the point? You know, and to me also great art. uh, You know, is collaborative, right? You know, it's not like, you know sometimes people get a little too wrapped up with the ego thinking, well, well, I'm going to direct my own video or I'm going to, you know what? They're too expensive. I'm going to go use this other, my cousin is, you know, and I'm like, come on, like you're trying to make art here. Like this is a serious thing. Like align yourself with good people and trust them. And I think we were pretty well represented is what the band's about. There was a, a good story, which I don't see in a lot of videos now. Um, you know, old videos that I've seen from like the eighties and whatever nineties, you know, some of them seem to have stories, which is, and some are really stupid. I love the really stupid ones from the eighties and they're, and they're hilarious because, you know, like, but there's like some sort of little side story going on. And I think that that's fun. You know, if I see another video, you know, of like driving in the car in LA at night or, you know on top of a rooftop at nighttime in New York City, and it's like there's no story. You're just looking at the artist. Boring, boring.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of the 80s, remember when David Lee Roth went solo and made some uh, music videos back then?
1: I rem- I've i heard the songs. I mean, I remember um, he did the old song from the 20s or 30s called Just the Gigolo. That was a very old song. Um, a lot of people don't know that but yeah i don't remember the videos though i seem to remember i've seen a thing on tiktok where it's like the guitar player is has a heart-shaped guitar with two necks coming out of the heart and that's all i remember from so i i don't know
0: (laughs) i don't know why because when you mentioned the 80s and The good ones and even the silly ones were fun. And I think he did a cover of California Girls.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard. I keep thinking of the Van Halen videos when you say that. That's what I remember more.
0: Right, because I think when he went solo, he put a lot more humor into his videos.
1: He's a funny guy. I, I always loved David Lee Roth. The best, but my favorite thing is go on YouTube and listen to just the vocals of David Lee Roth. It's without the track. Oh yeah. my God. And all those little sounds, he's like, oh, ah! hey! And he does all this crazy stuff, it's fantastic. It's my, my favorite thing.
0: He was a force of nature. Oh,
1: yeah, no, amazing. Look, high energy, very creative. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know, I mean, I, I just thought I love those records, and I, I love him. I think he was a great performer. I never got to see them live, but you know the the video stuff I've seen on YouTube, and you know, I always loved it.
0: You know, here in twenty twenty three, is there really in pop music an equivalent to David Lee Roth today?
1: Not in not in mainstream pop. That's corporate pop. I I don't think there are. But I mean you know you could say that somebody like afro man is kind of a david lee roth type character you know i mean that's that's rap music or funk or both or whatever you want to call it but like there are people but they're not like uh uh, you know they're not what gets sold to you necessarily you know sometimes with rap music you know characters are allowed you know like lil yachty he's a character you know, like, but in pop music, not so much, you know, and uh, but what's great is now, you know, they're just bands that in and, and artists that you see that are great artists you've never heard. You know, I've never heard of them. And then I, I see that they're, pl- you know, I live in Brooklyn. I see they're playing some venue in Brooklyn. It's sold out. I go on Spotify and they have, you know, 500,000 monthly listeners. I'm like, how does this happen? Doesn't matter that's the 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 brilliant part about today is that if whatever you want you can build your own path you know you can you can i i don't like to when i say successful i'm just gonna i'm to me successful lies in two terms right successful is really did you make great art okay that's real success the other success is Uh, that people recognize is more the more publicly recognized because we're so concerned about numbers in this society, right? So how many streams did you get? How many tickets did you sell? sell, Right. Okay. Both are important in some way, right? But, But there is opportunity now without, you know, being a corporate whore to get to a place where you can, you know, be successful with the numbers and still
0: be a great artist Uh, does it piss you off when people come to your your uh, and they're watching it through their phone but they're not looking directly at you
1: you know yes and no i mean i guess the thing is is that like i don't know like i'll tell you before i i was in this band you know i was like a sideman musician You know, like, cause like I have a kid and I need to make money and, and, uh, and so, you know, like I was on the road and I ended up in some band that was opening for, for Don Henley in Europe. Right. I'm not going to name the band because it's even more embarrassing than Don Henley. And, uh, (laughs) poor Don. And, and, and so, um, So Don had this policy, no filming during the the concerts, right? And Mm -hmm. then you were allowed, when he did Hotel California, you were allowed to film. And so, like, I just thought, man, you're an asshole. Like, who the fuck cares? (laughs) I mean, first of all, you know, come on. I mean, Hotel California, the Eagles, that's not exactly the deepest art ever made. I mean, you're taking yourself a little seriously. So, like, to me, this is just what we live in. This is technology. This is what the the iPhone, okay, this is a long-winded answer to your question, but I'm heading back to the subject. The iPhone, this, this changed the planet. This put the iPhone put other businesses completely out of business the way the car put the horse and buggy out of business. Okay, like so if you don't understand that this is here to stay and it's going to be part of our lives, then frankly, you know, you're Don Henley.
0: So your song Panic, do you ever like Google your titles or do people like they're searching you? But another artist who has the same title comes up?
1: Well, I don't Google myself that often, to be honest, because I'm horrified.
0: Also, if you uh, do it by, by your individual name, you probably, like, I don't know, carbon-tipped tools come up. <laughs> do any weird yeah, carbonite you know, things come up?
1: The truth of the matter is is that like this whole record uh, is just getting going. You know, and we haven't been out there yet. You know, we're going to be booking a tour. Um, You know, we we had uh, the the album kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed um, for various reasons, which are boring and I'm not going to go into. And then once Panic was going to be used for the film, that delayed it as well. But I was fine with that because once I saw the film, I was like, okay, now we're aligned with something good and cool that I like, that I think is a good piece of art. And uh, so, you know, like I was fine with delaying it. So that, back to your question, there's not that much of us out there because we haven't been on the road and we will be on the road. And then when you start Googling, you'll see less less about carbon tip pens and, and, you know, carbon whatever, you know, I don't know. Carbon copies,
0: I don't freaking know. Well, it's a unique name, Uh, and it's so hard as a band to come up with a unique name. So Carbon County, that's got a nice ring to it.
1: Thank you. I think it's a good name, too. And, uh, you know, uh, my original name was the Stumble Bums. Uh, Torque hated it. Uh, So, you know, I had to to let go of it. So uh, we went with Carbon County.
0: Well, any band worth its salt usually goes through a couple of name changes.
1: I'm sorry, you cut out there. Two
0: so two. In- oh. oh, I said uh, any band worth its salt usually goes through a, a couple of name changes. That's true.
1: That's true. I, 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 I'm sure that it's been a struggle.
0: Well, uh, before we wrap up, got a few more questions, but where can people you know hear your music watch the video and learn more about you okay thank you well so look the obvious things
1: right you put carbon county in your search engine, you put carbon county in your search function in your in your apple your spotify whatever you do um the uh and youtube you know that's obvious right but, you know, um, and on our Instagram, um, and I don't do TikTok because they're about to ban it. So everything's going to, all the people that are on TikTok are now going to switch over to YouTube, uh, whatever that, store. I don't know what they call it, shorts or whatever. Um, because the U.S. government is afraid of the Chinese. Um, so I we don't really do TikTok. But... Uh, on our Instagram, that's the where you can get the latest thing news on everything, right? So related to uh, new singles coming out, tour dates, uh, new and new stuff about the film Millennium Bugs, all that—it's all on there on our Instagram.
0: So, what is your big vision for Carbon County? Well,
1: you know. Uh, off the top of my head, I would say that I don't want to be boring. I, that's it. I just I get so bored so easily and uh, and I don't want to bore myself and because if you're boring yourself, you're going to bore other people. And um, and the big vision is um, if we get to the point where. uh billionaires are requesting private concerts on our yachts, then we've completely failed.
0: I like that. So you are the anti-yacht rock.
1: Well, I love yacht. Don't get me wrong. I like some Pablo Cruz. You know what I'm saying? It's not the music. It's just people who own yachts. They're destroying this planet
0: right isn't it more fun just to go out on a little dinghy with some friends
1: that's what i'm saying you know go to go to a uh, you know go to vietnam and go fishing in the mekong you know that's that's fun on the water you know like with with some with some vietnamese go do that that's that's a lot better you know they'll teach you something about life
0: see when i see you guys in the gas masks I feel like there's you know that diy aesthetic and, and and which i love about punk and even if you're not directly playing punk rock there's that punk aesthetic to everything
1: yeah thank you for noticing that i guess um you know you gotta you know i am what i am right you got to do what's right for yourself and and uh i don't like people telling me what to do you know or you know you know I, 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 you know, you go in, people have ideas about, oh, you know, what's going to sell and what's going to, you know, screw all that. You know, is that why you're doing music? You want to make money? Go join a wedding band.
0: You know, you're in Brooklyn. Do you feel like you're part of a music scene?
1: not really because the 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 music scene that everyone refers to in Brooklyn has completely moved on from what everyone associates, you know, like with cool bands from Brooklyn, right? Because now it's it, most cool bands can't afford to live here, right? They just can't, you know? Like so th- so cool bands are coming from, you know, Des Moines and other places, you know. That's my observation, you know, more generally. I mean, there's great music coming from everywhere. But, like, if you want to be a real band, forget about it. You know, uh, Brooklyn, you know, it's like $5,000 a month to rent an apartment here, right? So screw that. My goodness, yeah, wow. Okay, so so, but what Brooklyn does have, the music scene in Brooklyn, what I've observed, there's a lot of clubs that have opened up that, a lot of real great musicians play at like like you get like these like cool, funky jazz B3 organ trios, you know, and uh, there's a, a great blind guitarist and harmonica player named Noya Soha, who plays around Brooklyn and he's a genius, you know, and like there's just a, because of the population and because it's New York, there's just a lot of great musicians with a lot of great taste. You know, but all that stuff for the rock and roll side of Brooklyn and all that, I think that's not what's happening right now here, you know, to me.
0: So when you go out to tour, would you rather play the big cities or would you rather play the the obscure towns?
1: Well, it depends what you're looking for, because in the big cities, yeah, you're going to have a higher population. For some reason, they're going to be drawn to your show you know, and then, you know, you are just with with a with a higher population density, you're probably gonna have a higher intelligence density. And that's what's required to come see us. If you are stupid. Please do not come to our shows. I do not want you there. Nobody wants you there. If you want have a sense of humor and a little bit of ability to have critical thinking and uh, and. And understand what art is, come to our shows. You're welcome. So, yeah, cities, sure. Maybe there's more of that. I don't know. I've seen everything in small towns too. It doesn't matter. You know, it's just, and you take
0: what you get, you're lucky anyone's giving you a gig. So if someone comes to your show, they probably shouldn't shout out, play free bird.
1: Well, when they do, I just raise the middle finger and I say, no charge. <laughs>
0: Why do people still do that even to this day they still request Freebird?
1: Well, I'm going to say something that may be a little shocking to you, but it is an amazing piece of music. Unfortunately, anybody who is not Leonard Skinner playing it sounds like an asshole.
0: Exactly. No, I love Freebird, too. The thing is, it's such a long song. It's kind of like it, it kind of shuts a whole set down when you play it.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I I've never actually played it, so I don't know. But, uh, you know, let, let's put it this way for, for you know, uh, I think that, um, you know, I'm going to tell you what, what you know, you ever hear of a blues guitar player named albert king
0: no i'm gonna have to look him up now
1: albert king is the one of the 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 fathers of of rock and roll everybody took from him all your favorite guitar players you know if you're a guitar nut you 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 know albert king and they've all imitated him and uh from hendrix to you know uh, you know, modern guys like, like guitar whizzes like Derek Trucks and people like everybody has a little bit of Albert King in their in their playing. And when I was ten, my father took me to see Albert King. He was probably ninety at the time, and and, um, and the the first forty five minutes, he kept when anyone else was soloing on stage, he would he would he would he would go check one two mic check one two right like in the middle of their solo and i was like what the hell is going on here and then it just kept happening so often that i was kind of like actually this is kind of enjoyable and and kind of funny and like then for the last two songs he turned it on and it was absolutely the greatest live musical moment i've ever seen in my life he was devastating he sang and played with so much soul that it, I'll never forget it. It was just incredible. And I have no idea what the question was, but it made me think
0: of that. <laughs> what also makes me think, see, if anyone ever wrote a, a biography on him, they could call it Check 1-2. <laughs>
1: I think that I think it was just that night. I don't i've I've looked on him on YouTube. I, I've never seen him do that, but it was just that night. and i but I you know I was ten, so I kind of thought it was somehow part of the show.
0: <laughs> Isn't it nice you have that memory, you know, from being ten years old that takes yeah. on almost like a mythic proportion in your mind?
1: yeah, and like, come on, you know, when you're ten and you listen to music, you're in the music. You're like in it, you know, like that, you know, you live in those records, you know, like, I mean, like I used to put on like um, Black Sabbath, you know, and and it would scare me. It was like the same the same feeling of watching a horror movie. Right. To me, because I was in that record and it sounded so scary to me.
0: And when everything seems new and then years later, realizing in some cases. Oh, now I know who they were imitating, or oh, now I know what inspired that. But everything is so new; you think everything is special.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's and that's kind of a nice like. Isn't that just like innocence, you know? And like, and isn't that really what? How you know the world would be a better place if we, uh, you know, not that I'm trying to change the world or anything, but like if we all like just had a little bit more of that in our everyday, you know. I think that the best part of living in New York city is that there's so many different kinds of people and they're all living in their own movie. And like, when you watch somebody, you know, like, you know, I'll be up on the Upper East side of Manhattan, you watch some rich woman getting out of a cab and looking like all, you know, like into herself. And it's like, it's hilarious. I mean, come on, you know, like we're like two steps away from apes. Who are you kidding? I love,
0: you know it's funny you say that remember when they made that documentary a few years back about all the you know women of a certain age in new york who i guess to make up for lost youth they were uh, uh, flamboyant clothing and bright makeup and <laughs> you remember that it. oh i didn't see it i didn't see it i think it was called advanced style
1: oh well i'll check it out that's really pretty fun. good
0: well, do you find living in New York, there's just inspiration everywhere?
1: Yeah, because the truth is anyone will have a conversation with you here. You know, like I'll be waiting for someone in front of a coffee place or, you know, at the supermarket and I'll just start talking to people. And, you know, they're they're from everywhere, you know, of course. And, uh, you know, everybody's got a story, you know, and and and. Everybody's a hero and everybody's a villain, you know, and we've all played all those different roles, you know, and so if you can, like, you know, take time to actually talk people and get to know them, you know, that's your inspiration, you know, like, because like every song on the Carbon County record isn't from my experience, you know, it's from things I hear from other people, you know, also. So, you know,
0: you know, when there's so many people in one town. And you know, technology, you know, everyone can put out records or not. Do you find it hard just to find an audience? You know, when everyone wants attention, it must be very to find people who aren't creating, who aren't artists that want to consume.
1: Well, I think that, yeah. And I think that finding an audience, um, You know, I've worked with a a musician and, you know, we were we were in this band together and there was a couple other band members and they were real conceptual artists. They were actually art school people. And but this guy wasn't. And uh, we were having this long band meeting. It was like about an hour and a half of like, and then we should, you know, we should drive on the back of a truck and have some, you know, puppets and, you know, all this stuff to promote the band, you know. And uh, and this guy said, to, you know, after we were all done, like sort of intellectually masturbating, he goes, yeah, guys, I just want to do shit. And well, that's really what it is. it's the doing. And if you want people to know about you, you have to go out and do it. You have to get out and play, get out on the road. And yeah, if you're relying on your friends to come see you in a town, it could be New York, it could be anywhere else. You know, are they really going to come more than once a month? And are they really going to come more than three times? Probably not. So you need to get out on the road. That's how it's done.
0: Well, I want to give you the last word here. We could probably talk for hours here. Actually, a wealth of information. I, I love having an insider in Brooklyn and getting your perspective on that.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just one, you know, there's a lot of Brooklyns. You know, there's a big difference between the... Uh, Williamsburg and East New York, you know, and they're only two miles from
0: each other. So, you know, there's a lot of worlds here. Anyway, go on. Well, with everything changing and gentrifying, where is the heart of New York City right now?
1: Well, if I'm honest, which I'm going to be, it depends on what you're looking for. Um, If... If I were a painter or a musician looking to start a band or anything like that, I would stay very far away from New York City. You can just come here and do your thing when you need to. You don't need to live here at all. Um, In fact, you should live somewhere that's cheap, uh, uh, rent and is close to a good airport if you're a musician. Uh, or any type of artist, right? That's my feeling about it. And you have to be willing to drive to a lot of places, right? So, but if you're like, you know, getting back to Brooklyn, if you're truly a, you know, New Yorker, right? Like, I I would say that actually the creative uh, heart is probably not even in Brooklyn anymore. It's probably Ridgewood, Queens, which will soon be gentrified in about five to six years. But right now, every time I go to Ridgewood, there's some cool band I never heard of playing in a club. There's an amazing restaurant that like just some friends decided to open and it's a genius place and it's a sweet spot in New York City. And um, and that's, you know, but like how long is it going to last? I don't know. With all this capitalism going on here, I it won't last. But it'll always keep jumping around. You know, I don't know. Maybe next thing you know, the artist hub is going to be in the South Bronx. I don't know. It keeps jumping around.
0: See, I'm trying to let go of this romanticized vision of you know the CBGB days and the downtown <laughs> That's art 50 scene. Years ago. I know. I was going to say that's about 45, 50 years ago, but it's, it's hard to shake, you know, and I think. I think it's because
1: it's a it's an, it's a magical time and so much great music was created out of it, but you, you but the, you have to look at it this way. You don't have to, but I'm telling you, this is how I look at it. Right. So the, 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 it's all connected to the trajectory of this society. Okay. After World War II, World War II was so scary that people in this country actually had to try to pull together. And that was on every, so you had your civil rights movement, right? That had to happen, right? And then taxation was fair in the 50s and and late 40s and 50s was fair. So it created opportunity for a lot of people. So all these all this '60s stuff that went on with the with music, art, film, all this stuff. This was actually indirectly financed by a fair taxation system, right? And ever since then, they've been trying to pull this down, and they've succeeded, right? Now it's like, you know, if you're working a low wage job, you got to work two of them just to get by, and that might not even work, right? So they've destroyed it, right? And so those people who were in the 60s, right, like, you're, you know, they benefited from that baby boomer thing, you know, that happened after World War II. So it, create, it created an opportunity. You could go to New York, get an apartment in Soho for $100 a month, and it was shitty, but, like, you could actually do it. Right. And so that those days are gone. And then the next generation, slightly later, is that whole CBGB thing, right? Like your David Burns, your Joey Ramones, all that. That's slightly later. You know? So like they still were riding on that benefit. Gen X comes along, done. It's over. It's over. My do not come to New York City to be an artist don't do it stay where you are you're going to have much more success uh, and much more freedom to create because hopefully you can afford to live there
0: so you can't go there and get a cheap apartment in greenwich anymore oh no no greenwich village is is five million dollar apartments are you kidding me
1: you want to rent in greenwich village you're looking at six thousand a month no what you you would have to go out way, way out in Brooklyn and Queens, you know you're talking like, look, they're building fancy condos in East New York now. That used to be a neighborhood that I would never even go to okay it's wow. it's this is not this is going in the wrong direction. New York City is going in the wrong direction for artists, but you so, know, if you have a little success later, right, like from somewhere else. And then you want to come in and have an art, you know, your a gallery show your work. Or you want to play some clubs because you have a bit of a following now. You can bring 200 people to a club, right? Then you come to New York and do it that way. But don't start here. It's, you're just going to end up, you know, in the capitalist rat race.
0: Okay, so three-part final question. Uh, and you speaking as our ambassador to modern-day Brooklyn. So someone wants to go there, get an authentic experience, not corporate, not gentrified, you know, where's the best, you know, greasy spoon restaurant for breakfast, best kind of afternoon coffee shop to hang out, and then the best club for live music.
1: Yeah, I mean, okay, I'll start with the clubs. There's a lot of great music clubs, a lot. And it depends on what kind of music you're into, but like, you know, um, there's so many, I mean, there's, uh, elsewhere in Bushwick, Salton Room, uh, hell, I like Brooklyn Bowl, I mean, it's a great venue, you know, I mean, it's in a very gentrified area, but, you know, it's, so what, like, it's a great club, um, there's some underground, I guess, I'm, not much, you know, but, uh, as far as like, if you want an authentic experience, you got to remove the, uh, the Hollywood movie version of Brooklyn out of your mind, uh, you know, of the, of the diner with the, you know, uh, Italian or eth- you know, Greek, uh, you know, waiter and, you know, on all that. That's, that's gone. It's completely gone. It doesn't exist anymore. What you really want to look for is a, an amazing Jamaican restaurant in Bed-Stuy. Right. You want to look for, you know, there's like, um, you know, like Nigerian restaurants out in, uh, you know, East New York or or uh, or uh, I'm, uh, flatlands or someplace like that. You know, that's what's going on here is that, you know, it's not about what you've seen in the movies anymore. It's about the new population which is coming in. And it's always about that here. You know, think recent immigrant and and you're going to find what you, you know, the real stuff musically, too. Um, if you want local, you know, and uh, but, you know, at the same time, it doesn't mean that like the places that are, you know, you know, they're still nice. I mean, it's still fun to go to Williamsburg and Bushwick and those places. I mean, it's still interesting. I mean, Bushwick has some of the most beautiful graffiti I've ever seen uh, in the entire world. I mean, you know, amazing artists. And you go to Bushwick. it's covered in these beautiful pieces of art. It's all free. You just walk around.
0: And so you've been out clubbing all night. It's 2 a.m. and you want to get breakfast. Where's the best place to go there?
1: Well, I'm old school. So, you know, I mean, I still go to Veselka, which is a Ukrainian restaurant in, uh, in uh, the East Village um they kind of still do it you know um m- most of the places that i used to go have, k- have closed um and they're still reasonable you know they're not like catering just to tourists you know they like you know i still go there
0: and say afternoon you just want to grab a coffee soak up a little bohemian uh, ambiance where would you go
1: <laughs> yeah bohemian ambiance go to go to istanbul don't come here for that you're not gonna find it
0: then what would be like the best I mean, you're, you're not you're not gonna
1: let this go <laughs> i'm
0: not i just want to know one non-corporate non-starbucks coffee shop oh that's there's just a, lot a cool of them. sure
1: sure there's a, there's a lot of them i i i mean you know i go to in uh what's the name of that place i go to in. uh uh I can't remember it now. It was a place I go to in Bushwick sometimes. Uh, I go to this place called Cafe Beat, B-E-I-T in Williamsburg. That's local, and it's tasty and good. And,
0: um, like Be It, Cafe Be
1: It? Yeah, but it's, I think they call it Beat. I, I don't know. Um, there's that place. That's very
0: existential.
1: There's so, First of all, in Brooklyn, you, you can't walk a block without tripping over a coffee place. I mean, you look, you know, I swear to God, people are opening coffee places like in a subway turnstile. I mean, it's ridiculous. There's so many. But
0: I want but the I guess, ones that serve it out of chipped, mismatched coffee mugs.
1: Yeah. Uh, where are you going to go for that? I mean, they're everywhere. I don't know. They're everywhere. You can find them.
0: Excellent. Well, I think what you're, strikes me, you know, that let go of the movie version, embrace what's new and current, because everything evolves, right?
1: Yeah, it sure does. And but you know, and I understand people, you know, they love what already was. You know, I do too. But you know,
0: absolutely. Well, I can
1: tell you, what it isn't it's it's it, it it's not white artists. I'll tell you that. That's not what's yeah. happening.
0: York is it still just like those scenes in Saturday Night Fever
1: (laughs) I I don't know
0: but I love the Bee Gees what was that club in the movie do you remember the name of that the discotheque
1: I know what you're talking about because I remember seeing the scenes in the movie, but I don't know, remember the name of it. It was really corny.
0: Oh, um, I think, wasn't it like Odyssey?
1: Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, but I remember those scenes. And, and when you actually look at John Travolta dancing now, he really wasn't mm-hmm. that good. He just got a lot of hype. <laughs> he was a white guy.
0: Right. Well, you know, back in those days, you know, the... the Those tight pants, uh, it's just daring that people, you know, wore the tight pants and the silk disco shirts. That's what's so jarring when I look at it now. It's like, oh my goodness.
1: Well, you can find all that here. There's all the, you go to Bushwick, there's all the vintage clothing stores. They're selling all that stuff. Although I buy my vintage clothing, I mean, I don't wear much except a gas mask and a tuxedo. But when I buy vintage clothing, You know, I prefer like, you know, run down mill towns. That's where you get like the really good, you know, you can buy a suit for 10 bucks, you know, that they like used on a guy before he was cremated.
0: I like that, a little history to the suit. (laughs) That's perfect for for your stage getup. You're probably channeling the dead guy. Well,
1: um, I, 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 I certainly smell a little different.
0: <laughs> well, hey, I, I just have to, you know, say I've been talking talking to Carbonite from Carbon County. Torque was here in spirit. The current single in video is Panic. You got to see it. It's in a laundromat. It's got Tommy Chong directed by Alejandro Montoya Marin. Hey, I really appreciate you sharing not only your music, but this very inside glimpse into Brooklyn and New York.
1: Wow. Well, thanks a lot, Kelly. Thanks for having me. This has been the Rising Star Podcast with your host, Kelly Hughes.